Let's go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Jude. The book of Jude this morning. Again, I want to continue looking here as we began a couple weeks back with our theme verse from Jude 3, Content for the Faith. Then we looked at verses 5 through 8 with the question of, what do you remember? And uh, Jude mentioned that uh, we forgot the blessings in verse number 5. You know, it's easy to forget what God has done for us if we're not constantly thinking and, and looking at all that he does. Again, he blesses us with so many different things that I don't think we give him the credit for doing. But uh, we can easily fall into the trap of, of forgetting about God and not thanking him for his blessings as we go through life and as uh, Satan wants to entice us and draw us away from those things. Then we secondly, we looked at the fallen angels there in verse number six. Again, this is not something we normally look at, say, on a Sunday morning message. But uh, again, it's important for us to, to take note of and understand uh, that there's some things for us to learn. Everyone needs to know that there will be a day of judgment, one where we will stand before God. We will have to give an account for all that we've done in our lives. And Satan and his angels will be judged. Again, they will have to stand before God as well. And they will be damned in darkness forever, according to what we find in the book of Revelation. Again, death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. Satan and his angels, as well as those who reject Christ, will be cast there as well. And as we came to verse number 8, we found another group that Jude was looking at, and that was the filthy dreamer. These are the ones who defile the flesh and go against what God had designed the marriage relationship to be like. There were those that despised dominion, those that went against authority, as that references to. And uh, again, they set their own standards for their life. They disregard any type of biblical, parental, or civil authority in their life. And then lastly, we looked at the destructive speech, the groups that talk against God, that are outspoken against his church, and all the things that uh, they are trying to do. But each one of these apostates live in their own dream world of their own type of reality and delusion. But Jude doesn't stop there. He doesn't quit. He continues on uh, with this entire book, uh, warning us of the false teachers, warning us uh, against the apostates that are out there. So again, as we're looking here in the book of Jude, we often wonder, what is it that we're trying to get? Again, these are just some warnings. These are some things we need to be aware of. It's not just for uh, back then, but it's applicable for us today as well as we read through these scriptures and through this book. But let's, uh, again... Uh, begin with our next portion, I guess you could say. Uh, let's look here in verses 9 through 13 of Jude. Verse number 9 says, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as a brute beast in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves with fear, without, excuse me, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit wherewith without fruit. Twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea foaming out of their mouths, shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved in blackness of darkness forever. This morning I've titled this section of scripture, Beware of False Teachers. 
beware of false teachers. Again, today, uh, I want us to identify four things that will help us that we need to be aware of in thinking about these false teachers and these apostates that are out there in the world today. But let's have a word of prayer, and we'll jump in the message of this morning. Lord God, again, we do thank you for our, our time of worship this morning, our time of singing your praises, exalting you and lifting you up. I pray, Lord, that you would help us be attentive this morning to what you have for us in this simple book. Oftentimes, it's overlooked and not read through or not studied. Lord, there are warnings that we need to be aware of, and I pray that you would help each one of us be aware of what it is that Satan is trying to do and trying to keep us off balance and to try to live, have us live a defeated life. Lord, as was mentioned this morning, it's great to be able to come to a place where people are smiling, excited about being here in your presence. And I pray that you would help us to learn these things, help them to apply them as well as we go back out into this world. Lord, bless the time we have together. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, again, you may ask, what's the purpose of looking at this book? Again, it's so we can see that there are warnings out there that we are to be aware of those false teachers that are easily trying to pull us away. Just because we have the Internet, we've got access to everything there is in the world at the touch of a button doesn't mean we know everything there is. Google does not know everything, by the way. Uh, we seem to think so, but that's not the case. There are things out there that are trying to, to, to pull us away. There are some simple little things that we may not be aware of or even conscious of that are just simply slowly trying to draw us away. Again, Jude here was writing to let us know, to warn us about those false teachers, those people that are the smooth talkers, if you would, the ones that are uh, talking and persuading and trying to get us to do what they want us to do. As I was going through this, my mind went back to a, a simple cartoon. Well, that's where my mind goes sometimes. Uh, how many remember Pinocchio? Remember watching Pinocchio? Remember Honest John? Honest John went to and saw Pinocchio going on and kind of tripped him up a little bit or whatever and, and tried to entice him to come to, to, to Pleasure Land, didn't he? He tried to, hey, uh, there's something wrong with you, and you need to come and follow me. He said this, there's a slight touch of monetary complications with a bubonic similar contradiction of the trapeze. Compounded transmission of the pandemonium of percussions with spasmodic frantic dispensation of the dis disintegration of palpatic simplification of the tilly wiki wacky of the boy joy. Trust me, I had to look all this up to see that it was right. So I watched that over and I was like, what is he saying? And we think we may laugh a little bit. Yeah, oh, there's no way I'd ever get caught up with something like that. But, you know, there are people out in the world today and in religious circles that are doing the same thing. That are using these same kind of words, willy-dilly-dilly-dilly. And we're like, ooh, what's that? Oh, I've got to get caught in. We've got to be careful of those things. We've got to know what they're trying to do to pull us away. And, you know, we can study every false religion, every, every denomination, everything that's out there. But the best thing we can do and study the Word of God more. Again, I know we've heard the illustration of where people uh, work in banks or whatever, and they tell them, you know, you could study all the falsities that are out there, but you've got to go back to the real thing. We've got to go back to the real thing. We've got to study the Word of God, study it more to understand it more, to keep us from getting pulled away from these false religions, these other false teachers. As I mentioned in Sunday school, in your memory verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. A lot of people out there today say, well, I know my Bible. 
and they're the ones that's getting pulled away. Well, I know what the Bible says, and they're the ones falling for these false prophets. These people that are preaching these other gospels, there's some that preach the prosperity gospel and, and try to draw people away, and they say, uh, you know, well, you're not prospering because you don't send me your seed money. If you don't plant your seed money in my ministry, the Lord will never open the windows of heaven and bless you. I looked it up. That's their mission statement, by the way. Exactly what they say. You've got to send them your seed money to plant in their ministry or you'll never prosper financially. Never read that in the Bible, have you? Make sure. But there are people falling for that. There are people that say, oh, yeah, well, I've got to send my money to them because if I, the, the bigger seed I can plant, the more I'm going to get, right? That's their mentality. That's what they want. That's why they've got the, the, the jets and the, all the other things that these rich preachers have. We've got to be careful of those things to make sure we're not getting sucked away. And as a pastor, as a shepherd of the flock, it is my job to give those warnings. And that's exactly what Jude is doing here. He's just simply giving us some warnings that we need to look at and understand. Number one, this morning we find that we must contend against evil. We must contend against evil. We find there in verse number nine a very unique identification of Michael the archangel. It's unique because Michael the archangel spans the religious globe, if you would, so to speak, kind of idea. Again, he's mentioned here in Scripture, and, and there's a lot of different denominations that will read this and understand it. But we also find him in the Catholic Church as being a saint. He's worshipped in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He's worshipped in Judaism. He's worshipped in Jehovah's Witness, the Latter-day Saints, even in the religion of Islam. He's mentioned. So... Why is it that we find here, and what's the reason behind having Michael the archangel mentioned in Scripture? Again, we understand that he is the, the chief of the heavenly angels. He, uh, he plays a very significant role in what is to come. As you were to study Revelation chapter number 12, he's the one that's going to lead uh, the, the victory battle uh, across the world. And Jude here is showing us that Michael chose to follow after God instead of fighting Satan. Verse number 9 says, does not bring against him a railing accusation. This was not the time for Satan's defeat. Again, Michael submits to what God wanted. There are times in our lives that we must do the same thing. We must learn to submit to God's authority and wisdom. Although we may feel we're right and rightfully so, but it's not at the right time or maybe even the right attitude that we're expressing or doing whatever it is. And we've got to learn to submit that to God. We've got to learn to follow what he wants us to do. Sometimes we do things just to prove a point, make other people know who is right and who's wrong. Unfortunately, that's not the way it needs to be. Michael's attitude was, Lord, God, whatever your will is, I'm going to follow you. Could he have defeated Satan? Yes, he could have. But it was not his time. It was not what was needed to happen at that time. Again, we've got to remember 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all the glory of God. Everything we do in life, everything we say, should be something that exalts God and lifts him up. Michael at this time would not be doing something that would be honoring and glorifying to God. What was the idea? What was the purpose behind figuring out what to do with Moses' body? That's the question that was asked here. That was the, the reason for the fight. What was going on? What was the reason? Well, in my mind, 
Satan could have made a false god out of Moses. You go back and you study the end of the book of, of Deuteronomy, you'll find where God shows Moses the promised land where he's not able to go. The promise that he had given to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. But as Moses died in the land of Moab, he was buried in a place that no one knew of. No one was told. No one knows even to this day where he was. And again, they were fighting over his body. Why? Because Satan could have very easily said, okay, this is where Moses was buried. Hey, uh, uh, Israelites, don't go to the promised land. Come here. Come worship Moses. Uh, didn't, he, didn't he deliver you out of 400 years of bondage? Yeah, you worship him. Hey, didn't he give you water in the desert when you asked? Yeah, come worship him. Didn't he provide manna for you every day as you were going through? Yeah, he's the one we need to worship, not this Jehovah God, not, not whoever that is, Jehovah Jireh. What is that? Don't worship him. Worship Moses. You go back and you can study, I think it's 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 4, where they burnt incense and worshiped the, the brazen image or the brazen serpent that Moses made. So that should give you an idea of their mindset. There were some that hated Moses, as we know. They, they bickered, they fight, they didn't like what he was doing. We said in Sunday school, uh, that's something here to live. Anyway, get ahead of myself. I hate when I do that. Uh, when we think of the Korah and his 250 men, which we'll talk about in here a little bit, what did they do? They didn't like Moses. God swallowed them up in the earth. But there were some that did like him. There were some that worshipped him. There were some that would not maybe follow the line as they were supposed to into the promised land. You think, well, what's the big deal with that? What if that was the line of the Lord Jesus? Not following into the promised land, but going and worshiping Moses. So there's a lot of things that Satan, if Satan can get one person away from the church, it's a victory. Because as we're to be a witness to those around us, as we're to, to spread the gospel, as we're to share that with other people, think about the impact the ripple effect, so to speak, that it could make. Well, again, we've got to understand that there's a reason that Satan wanted Moses. Maybe it was to, to make a false god. We don't really know all that goes on. But Satan is always looking for ways to keep believers from following God and turning them away to, to him instead of doing what God wants. This is why the world that we see today is so enticing easily draw us away again just to, to look at something else, to, to go in this way, <clears throat> to change this little bit, what it could affect in the future. One great example that we can learn from Michael is to let God fight for us. The end of verse number nine, it says, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. That's what Michael said. <clears throat> When we're being spiritually attacked, we need to learn to let God fight for us. Moses said to the nation of Israel in Exodus chapter 14, I think we even sang that this morning at Sunday school. Again, as they were facing the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army behind them, he said, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians ye have seen today, you will see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you. Ye shall hold your peace. How often do we let the Lord fight for us? The spiritual battles, the things that are going on. How often do we just give it over to him and say, Lord, here it is. I need you to fight for me instead of trying to do it our way. As we talked about in Sunday school this morning. 
Jacob wanted to do things his way instead of allowing God free reign in his life. We must learn to surrender what God has for us. Again, Lord, I want to follow your will and way. I want to be 100% faithful to you. Deuteronomy chapter 1 of verse 30 says, The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. We can go back, and the good thing about Scripture is we go back and we read what God has done. We see what and how he's defeated the enemy time and time again, but yet we don't follow through and let him fight for us. There's some more verses that we can look at this morning. There's some more things that we can understand knowing that God is there to fight for us. But as we do that, we must learn not to corrupt ourselves as these false teachers have done. That's number two this morning. Don't corrupt yourself. Look back at verse number 10 with me. It says, but these speak evil of those things which, know, which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Don't let yourself get caught up with the hype of what's going wrong around in the religious communities of today. This man following that person and these following those and, and so on and so forth. We need to focus on what the Bible says. Study it in context. Use some tools to help you as you're studying the Word of God to give you a, a better understanding. Most of all, pray. How often do we pray and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help in understanding this. I've done that a lot with the book of Jude. You don't hear a whole lot about Jude and things that are going on. There's two verses I think we reference, uh, or most preachers that I have heard reference to. But other than that, what does it mean? Holy Spirit, teach me. That is his job, by the way, is to teach you all things. Do we pray specifically to him, asking him to help us? That's what we must do as we're studying the word of God. You know, there are more false teachers in the world today than probably ever before. Because we're easily known Information passes so easy now that uh, they can be portrayed more and, and be put out much more. There are more distractions that are keeping us from following God than probably any other time in history. But as I said earlier, we have more access to the splendors of society at the simply touch of a button. That it piques our interest to figure out, oh, what is this and what is that and how do they believe and what is that and so on and so forth that we get caught up or it can easily get pulled away from what we think we know. How much of the word of God do we truly know? What is it that we've allowed into our hearts and into our minds that have settled and given us the strength, the foundation that we know and we believe? These false teachers of, of today, they don't care about what you think or what you say. Verse number 10 says they declare evil. They declare evil. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 20 says... Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You know, it seems to be the norm nowadays that people are staying against what is right and praising what is evil. Go back, if you've ever watched any news over the past month or year, shall we say, there's so many things that are going on that makes me wonder and why and question, what are they doing? The idea of defunding the police. We stop and think about the homosexual movement and how it's, again, penetrating more and more of the news. Why? Why are people standing against Israel? All these questions come to my mind, and I'm thinking, why, why, why? Because they are saying, well, that's evil, and that's good, when it's really good, not evil. 
But again, that seems to be the norm nowadays. They declare evil good because they don't understand the truth. Again, they speak evil of those things which they know not. But they still have a natural understanding of who God is. Mankind has a natural understanding that there is a God. There is a creator. Whether they like to understand and believe it or not doesn't matter because everything we see, everything we hear, everything we touch, everything we know is because we have a creator God. There's no religion out there that can explain anything other than, well, the Big Bang Theory. That's kind of how it goes back to you. Well, I want to know who created the Big Bang or the things to come together to bang. You know, they never go back that far. Well, who created this to explode? Where did the gas come from for me to spit out of or whatever we're created from? See, they, they can't get back to the source. But we go back to God. God is the source. God is the creator. God is the one that we are to worship because he is the great creator. The evil things of this world, they fight against the basic doctrine of who God is to create doubt in the heart of man. And again, if you've ever studied scripture, you know that's exactly how Satan operates. Every time he's created doubt. All the way back into Genesis, dealing with Eve, he created doubt. Thou shalt not surely die, creating doubt in her mind. As we've talked about before, he created doubt in Jesus as they were on the, uh, as he was being tempted in the wilderness. On and on we again look at this idea of doubt. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1 tells us that men professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Second Timothy warns us that the perilous times will come when men will be lovers of their own selves, despisers of good, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I think we're seeing this more and more in society today. Jude said that there are things that they will corrupt themselves. They will say that they will allow to come out of the mouth Again, to corrupt themselves. Basically, they're digging themselves into a hole. You ever said something like that, that you, you continue to talk, and it seems like the deeper you get with what you're trying to say, and you can't get out of it? Yeah. Open mouth, insert foot. Yeah, many times it seems like I've done that. It's exactly what he's saying about these evil, uh, these, these, these uh, false teachers, these, these evil people. They talk and talk, and their speech goes nowhere. They continually talk in circles, and they begin to corrupt themselves. I've always said, know what you believe and believe what you know. And it better come from the word of God. But these false teachers, again, are trying to pull people away. They're trying to entice them and draw them away. But when we see that, when we understand that, then we find that there is a caution given. That's number three this morning. A caution given in verse number 11. It says, woe unto them. For they have done, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perish in the gainsaying of Korah. The Bible is full of good and bad examples. And if we've got to figure out who it is we're going to follow, what are we going to do? What can we learn? I've said before that I seem to learn things from those that have done bad, hopefully not to follow that, Then I have learned from those that do good. But again, we've got both examples there in Scripture to help us. And it's what was written here are those that have done bad for us as a warning, don't do. But understand the evil teachers affect prophets, they affect princes, and they affect the common people alike. We find in verse number 11, the Bible mentions Cain. A common person. No, there was nothing special about Cain. He was a simple man like you and I. 
But after he allowed the anger and jealousy in his life to dictate his outcome is when we can look at him and say, don't do that. Don't be like that guy, so to speak. Some argue for the reason of God rejecting Cain's offering was because it wasn't a blood sacrifice. It doesn't matter because it was his attitude. Whatever he was bringing was not given with the right attitude. I mentioned a couple weeks back that Sunday school and how Cain's rebellion was not against God because he knew he could not defeat the creator God. It was against the one that God gave approval of because he knew he could do something to Abel. And just like many today get mad at, uh, they don't get mad at God. They get mad at the, the church. They get mad at the pastor. They get mad at the, the Sunday school teacher. They rebel against them because they know they cannot defeat God. But secondly, the false teachers influence the prophets like Balaam, as mentioned in our text. If you were to go back and look in Numbers chapter 22, you would find where Balaam was a prophet of God. And he goes against the Almighty because of his love for money or reward, as was mentioned there in verse number 11 of our text. He was more concerned about receiving the benefits from a heathen nation than standing for what God had commanded him to do. Balaam led others to follow idolatry and adultery, which the false teachers were guilty of in that day. But Revelation chapter 2, verse number 14 says, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a tumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. There's a warning that's given. The third bad example of this false teacher's was to persuade the princes like those in, of Korah. Again, false teachers want to speak against those who follow God, just as Korah spoke against Moses and Aaron. Back in Numbers chapter number 16, you'll find where Korah and his 250 men thought that Moses was not leading the nation of Israel as he should. So Moses, being a man of integrity, told Korah, we'll let God decide. We'll let God choose. God had told Moses to separate Korah, his 250 men, their families, and all their possessions. And as God came to judge them, the earth swallowed them up. Everything they had, everything they owned was gone because, again, he was going against what God commanded. So Judah's giving a warning here not to go against God and what he has directed us to do. We must remember that these apostates are in all walks of life. They're in the pulpit, they're in the palace, and they're in the poorhouse. We've got to be aware of who they are and what they're doing. Again, going back to what the scriptures say, I can't value the importance of understanding that enough. But as we come to verses 12 and 13, we see a warning against the false teacher's charity. Number four this morning, their charity of beliefs. Look with me at verses 12 and 13 again. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of wind. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit. Wise dead plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming of their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Again, did you know that Satan will take good things and make them corrupt? You know, there's a lot of charities out there today that once were established in doing good. There were some that were uh, established to proclaim the gospel, to, to show people a way of salvation, and now they're more concerned about their bank account 
and their CEOs and all those things that they are no longer doing what they are supposed to do. But yet we look at them as a charity. Oh, I want to be part of them. I want to be faithful to them. I want to give to them and this, that, and the other. You got to be careful on who you follow. Be careful on who you allow to influence you, who you give your money to. Because again, they will pull you in the wrong direction. They don't care about your belief. They don't care as long as you give them the money. But again, Satan is, is the same way. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about what you to do as long as you follow him instead of following God. But there are blemishes in their belief systems. There are blemishes and problems with what they say and who they follow. Again, the charity, the love that is put into action is something we've got to be aware of. Are we following the wrong people? Are we going down the wrong path? These lies create fear in the hearts and minds of many people. And Jude, again, uses a few illustrations to give a better understanding so we can kind of figure out what he's talking about. He mentions the waterless cloud. What benefit are clouds without water? Now, again, we understand when this book was written and where it was written from. Uh, they wanted the clouds with water to, uh, again, grow their crops. Being in a desert region, they needed that early and latter rain to provide for them, to help them as they were growing crops. So to watch clouds go by was pointless to them. Believing in false religions and following false teachers have no benefit either. They lead you down the wrong path and they'll give you no hope of what is to come. And they will leave you stranded. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 14 says, Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like a cloud and wind without rain. Next, you mentions fruitless trees. I don't know about you, but I don't like fruitless trees. I like fruit. I want to walk up to a tree and pull an apple down, a, oh, a peach down, uh, a pear down, something like that. Pull some grapes off the vine, whatever it is. I, I want to be able to enjoy the fruits. There's a, a great illusion with those who are pretending to preach and teach the truth. But in all reality, they are fruitless witnesses. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a fruitless witness of what I'm doing for Christ. I want to make sure that what I'm doing is right and that I'm following God and doing what he wants to do to be able to produce fruit for his benefit in my life. Verse number 13 also mentions where Jude says about waves of the sea. The moving of the sea is like a pride in each one of these false teachers' lives, swelling up in them. They are foaming out of their mouth the lies and spreading the shame against the one and only true God. Then lastly, we see the, the wandering stars. False teachers often drift from one belief to another, not knowing exactly what they believe because they're just trying to get more gain and draw people away. When we don't know what we believe, then we have no hope. We only have darkness. And that empty belief will lead us to the blackness of the lake of fire for all of eternity. This is what is meant there by the, the second death, or twice dead, the second death. The apostates and false religions are trying their best to lead you in the wrong direction. And unfortunately, there's a lot of saved people today that are getting drawn away, that are being enticed, that are being pulled away to believe something that they know they shouldn't. What we need to learn this morning, what is it that we are to get from these few verses? Be aware of the false teachers. 
In every facet of life, there's somebody out there trying to draw you away and keep you from doing what God wants you to do. Make sure we contend against evil, against anything that goes against what this Bible teaches. Don't allow yourself to become corrupt. Give caution to those around you. Warn them of what is to come. And don't fall for their charity of benefits. These are just four simple things that each one of us need to be aware of that we can do if we would simply heed the warnings. Bow our heads and close.